Color blue. There we go. The Lord said, let there be sound. All right. My name is Samuel Lester. I'm one of the pastors here on staff and family. It is so good to be with you this morning. Um, uh, I don't usually dress this way either. Um, some of you uh, walked in this morning and you're like, you did a double take, like, that was that, was that really Samuel? Uh, yeah. Um, funny enough, I actually really enjoy dressing up. Uh, that's actually something I really enjoy doing, but at the same time, uh, I understand that everybody likes to come at different levels, and 100%, that's okay. All are welcome, and everyone, come as you are. We just, we're just glad that you're here this morning. Um, but I took the opportunity to just put a little coat on and put a tie on and go like, yes. I made the tie a little too tight, so if I turn my entire body without my head, you know why. All right. But last week, I, I was not here. Um, I uh, had an emergency, as Pastor Tom uh, made, made, uh, made known to you last week. Um, my mom's heart stopped completely. Um, a week ago yesterday, 10 o'clock in the evening, uh, my, my family was just down in the family room, down in the basement. They were hanging out, watching a movie, one that my mom did not like, by the way. And thankfully, that's the case because uh, my dad, in order to try to keep her interested, kept talking to her throughout the, throughout the movie. It's just like, come on, no, it's fun, it's all right. When she stopped responding and he, and he tried getting her attention, Trudy, Trudy, that's when they knew that something was wrong. But I totally believe that God did a miracle because the moment that they called 911, the, the correspondent on the other line talked to a cop. The cop was right outside the door. With, with an AED. He dings the doorbell, comes right downstairs, and my dad's sitting there in shock, doesn't know what to do, but then the, the cop says, do you know CPR? My dad says, yes, and, my, and he said, do it. So then he was able to do CPR, continue to get oxygen to my mom's brain. Then they shocked her, they got her heart beating again. First responders shortly came, uh, came thereafter, and they t got her to the hospital. Uh, my mom is okay. My mom is okay. Uh, I've heard plenty of statistics this past week. Um, uh, numbers, percentages. All I know is that a small, per a, a small percentage of people actually survive the initial 
an, an initial attack. It wasn't a heart attack. It was, uh, my mom's heart just simply stopped. But few people s- simply survived that part of it. But even fewer people get to the hospital alive and walk away with no brain damage. My mom is one of those people because of the power of God. Yes. So I was able to go down and be with her for a couple days last week. Um, and family, I can't tell you how much I am so thankful to be a part of this church family. You all prayed for my mom. You all continued to message me and uh, say, how's your mom doing? You're asking uh, day in, day out. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church family. And I'm so thankful to have the, the staff the, that came around me. Pastor Matt was, kept on saying, what can I do? How, how can I help? And, uh, but I, also, Tom, you've been so supportive, giving me time to be with my mom multiple days. I'm thankful to have you as my pastor. I really am. But it's been kind of a crazy week. Um, my mom, uh, it, she really almost died is what happened. Um, and uh, she, her heart stopped for four minutes. And during that four minutes, she says that she didn't see a, 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 you know, a vision of heaven or anything, or anything of the afterlife. So there goes our book deal, all right? Uh, yeah. That's okay. God will provide, so there's that. But, um, but during this past week, uh, because my mom got so close to death, it really puts things in perspective for me. Uh, so much. But it, it, it was kind of hard to prepare the sermon. I'm not going to lie because all I wanted to do was just be with my mom. Um, she's, she hates, hates a strong word. She strongly dislikes hospitals, okay? And for all the people that work in the medical field in here, uh, I hope you know that I love you. And it's, she, she, loves, she probably loves you too. It's just being in the hospital is not a pleasant experience because if you have to be there for some reason... Something's not exactly right. And so she was scared. And being, I just wanted to be there with her. That's, I, that was the place I wanted to be. I just wanted to be by her side. And not, not, yes, to take care of her, but also just to know that she was there. Just to know that my mom was alive. Just to, just to be there and just go like, Mom, I'm just happy. I can put my hand on you. Feel warmth. Know that you're, know that you're living. Know that you're alive. Know that I can continue to pour my love over you. It really brought to mind how short life is. Uh, my own mortality, my mom's mortality, how much we take for granted as people. I, I, before this happened, I just thought, my mom's always going to be there. My, my, my mom is just, she, she's a pillar of my life. If she's gone, then I don't know what's going to happen, but my mom's never going to leave. That was my idea. That's all that I could understand before this happened. After it happened, I came to face to face with this idea, what, will I, what am I going to do when she's gone? I need to sow into that relationship with her right now. Life is fleeting, not just hers, but mine too. I need to sow into that relationship now. I can't take that for granted. See, my mom sometimes, when I was at college, I went to college down Milwaukee, and it's not very far away. I've, Wisconsin's my home, all right? I'm from La Crosse, Wisconsin. I went to Milwaukee for school. I'm in Superior now for, for, uh, for pastoring. Thank you, Jesus. And, and so I've never been far away from home, but 
I'm not far away from home in the grand scheme. I'm not across the country, but I'm just far enough that, you know, like, I don't want to drive that far, Mom, okay? Like, come on. So when I was at college, you know, in Milwaukee to La Crosse is about three hours away, and my mom, so I wanted to stay in Milwaukee for certain times, like, I, hang, I had friends, I had crushes, wow, there you go, vulnerability, right? <laughs> but I wanted to be in Milwaukee, and my mom would call, and she's like, Samuel, you can come home tonight for, for the holidays, right? You can come home tonight for Thanksgiving, you can come home uh, tonight for Christmas break, and I would go like, ah, but, but can I? I mean... There's this person here, Mom. I don't think you understand. You know, I, I just thought, Mom, you're always going to be there. You're always going to be a part of my life. I, I want to kind of do what I'm doing right here, right now. And sometimes there would be situations where I would st stay back in the place that I was at and then go the next day like the original plan. Or there would be other times where I'd be so guilted into it that I was just like, okay, fine. All right, I'm going, Mom. I'm coming. I, I wish I wouldn't have done those times where I wish I wouldn't have gone back and forth with my mom now. Now there is the now there is the part that you know you need to leave and cleave. I can't just sit there and go like, mommy, and like be there for the rest of my life. But that's that's not how life works. I have to separate. But at the same time, my mom is one of the most important people in my life. I can't just take her for granted and go like, mom, you're always going to be there. Let me do my life this way. No, no, yeah, sure. I make that separation as a man, but also. My mom is still my coach. My mom is still the person that I hold on to. Mom, my mom is the one who's encouraging me. I can't just sit here and accept all of her love and go like, thanks, mom, I love you too, and just walk away and like nothing happened. I reciprocate that love back to her. I show her, yes, mom, I love you. I am connected to you. I do value you. I need you. How often do we do that with Christ, though? Some of you are going like, oh, I saw that from a mile away. But for real. There's moments in life where we have this, where we, we, we're sitting there, we're, we're, we're on our path, we're, we're going our certain direction, and then Christ is there. He's, he's, he's never leaving us. He's with us right now. But we're going, I, God, I, I need to do this right now. I need you to just take a step off, all right? Clingy. I, I just need you. I'm, I'm going this direction, God. I need you to take a break. He's always pouring into us. He's showing us his love. He's continuously uplifting us. And we sit here and we just go, later. For some of us in this room, it might not just even be that God is a part of your life already. Maybe you're seeking. Maybe you're just looking for God. And you never even had that relationship with him. And you're thinking, yeah, I think this is the way I want to go, but I, I want to live my life my way first. I want to go my direction. I want to do what I want to do here. I, I've seen what it's, what it's like to live as a Christian. I feel like that's a little, it's a little too rulesy for me, Jesus. I, I, uh, I'll come back to you later. Life is short. We need to be seeking our Father, going deeper into relationship with him now. It's not something that we wait later for. It's something we do now. Because just like my mom is always going to show me love, whether I'm going like, Mom, just give me a break, or not, Christ is always there uplifting us, always there pouring his love out for us, because his desire for connection is so real in our lives. And it's always there. 
He's had a desire to be in relationship with us ever since the beginning of time. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Since the beginning of time, before you existed, anybody in this room, before the first person existed, Christ has been there and, and, and God has been there desiring that relationship with man. Psalm 139.16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were still none of them. That was Psalm 139.16. God's always wanted to just be with us, to pour out his love on us. But when sin came, we were separated from him. But God had a plan in order to make, that, to make that relationship whole again. Some of us in this room, you might know how this story goes, but hang with me here. Some think, why didn't Jesus just come immediately after the fall? Right? I, I know that I've thought that before. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. They created this enmity between God and man. So now there's this gap. There's this giant void that we can't cross. There's, this real, there's a break in relationship. If Jesus knew that this was going to happen, why didn't he just come immediately after the fall? You know, I don't claim to be a theologian, all right? I don't, claim, I don't claim to be the smartest person in the room. One of the smartest people that I know is Pastor Tom. If you're looking for, like, a good message that's going to be super well-founded, that's always Pastor Tom. And I'm not saying that this isn't that, but... This next thing I'm about to say is it's what I deduce from reading scripture. Being human and knowing how we are today, I believe God wanted to create a strong, well-founded case for us humans to know that Jesus Christ was who he says he was and make that case strong. So what did he do? He laid down layers and layers of prophecy. Throughout time, he continued to, to say words, specific words, of how the Messiah would come. Saying, this is how you know that, that Jesus is who he says he is. This is how you know that Jesus is and is, is coming. He's coming to save you. This is how you know. This is how you know. This is how you know. Layers and layers of prophecy to strengthen this argument. Meaning if there are hundreds of prophecies given and Jesus fulfills every single one, we as humans should be able to make that connection. I think there's something important here. All right? I mean, is that fair? But Jesus has been reaching through history, all throughout history, in order to connect with us. He's been reaching through history in order to make that relationship with us happen. Now, during all of history, even before Christ's birth, was that desire for a relationship. And we can see him reaching through history to connect with people. See, even before Jesus came, there there's tons of times where God was connecting with people, where he was establishing relationship. We often see God of the Old Testament as the lawmaker, as the judgment bringer, as a person that is strong, and, and if you don't serve me, well, I'm going to bring down my dictator axe on you. Like, I don't know... The, Sometimes we often see God as, as this huge judgmental bully in the Old Testament. Now, do we see God's strength? Oh, yeah. 
We see it in power. Oh, yeah. But he still has a desire to love us all throughout the Old Testament. We see him reaching through history to connect with people, whether it be speaking through the prophets that led Israel or whether it be showing his strength through miraculous means. God has always loved mankind and desired to be with him. One of the most personal ways God interacted with man, though, was through Christophanies. Now, some of you were part of Pastor Tom's Sunday school this morning, so you're already educated. Nice. That means I have so many more people, like, making sure I say the right things here. Okay, perfect. So, but a Christophany is a pre-incarnate time that Jesus showed up in physical form to humans. It's a time when Jesus would come in the Old Testament and show up in a physical form and say, well, I was about to say, say what's up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what, that was, wasn't part of his vocabulary back then. But there are a couple of these stories I'd like to share right now. The first one is found in Genesis 18, Genesis 18, 1 through 15. It's a story of Abraham meeting the three travelers. So in this story, Abraham is at his tent, and he's hanging out with his wife. You know, they're just chilling, doing whatever they do. But here's the thing. Abraham and and, and Sarah, they didn't have any children of of their own. And all throughout their life, they, they couldn't have any children. So then three travelers come. Up, up to the tents, and then Abraham says, allow me, to, allow me to feed you. Allow me to get something for you to eat, something for you to drink. Would you just stay here and rest? And they agree. So then he goes and prepares a calf for them. He goes and prepares uh, bread. Oh, tell Sarah to go and prepare the bread. And they come back, and as they're eating, one of them Abraham recognizes to be God. See, the thing about Abraham is that he knew who God was. Before this situation, before even this Christophany, God had shown up to Abraham multiple times before to give him prophecy, to give him layers of promise in his life. So then he knew what to look for, and he sees one of the travelers, and he immediately immediately recognizes him as God. So then as they're sitting there and they're eating, the travelers say to him, where is your, where's Sarah, your wife? And Abraham said, she is in the tent. Verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, she shall have a son. God brought a message of hope and providence to Abraham and Sarah. He shows up, has personal communication with Abraham. He is sitting there in his midst. Jesus, before the incarnation that we, that we know as Christmas, before this happened, he's sitting there with Abraham and he gives him a promise of how he will provide for him. A message of hope. See, often we think of praying to God in this ethereal way of, oh, I'm just going to send prayers up. Jesus, I love you. Amen. And it's just gone. But it's more than that. 
See, praying is not praying to, it's praying with. Jesus is here. He's with you. There's this personal communication happening. And we think that this is like, oh, this is amazing. It, it is amazing. Really, it is. But we have that on a, on a daily basis. Christ is with us. Another situation where Jesus shows up, we find this in Daniel 3, 8 through 30. The fourth man in the furnace. There are three men known as uh, Rack, Shack, and Benny. No, sorry, that's, uh, that's VeggieTales. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say those names five times fast. Oh, yeah. But these three men were known by King Nebuchadnezzar. They're in a foreign land, and King Nebuchadnezzar puts up an idol and says, worship this idol, but they continue to deny to worship the idol. They will not bow down. They will continue to only worship the one true God. Well, King Nebi is very upset about this, all right? Furious. And he throws them into a fiery furnace. Let's pause. Who keeps a fiery furnace just lying around? <laughs> I mean, that's a little creepy, okay? Just Nebuchadnezzar needs to chill, literally, all right? Pun intended. But fiery furnace... He heats it so hot that just to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, he heats it so hot that as they're being thrown into, uh, into this fiery furnace as punishment for not bowing down to the idol, the men that throw them in die. That's how hot this fiery furnace is. Shadrach and Meshach, are in, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that guy, we can't forget him, they are all in the fiery furnace. They're supposed to be dead. The people that threw them in there are dead. But then we come to uh, Daniel 3, 24 and 25. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. That's the way that we should answer. You know, like when Pastor Tom asked a question on Sunday morning, true, O pastor, yes. <laughs> Don't do that. That's just weird. All right. Um, but they say, true, O king. And King, and King Nebuchadnezzar answered them and said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance, and the, and the appearance excuse me, of the fourth man is like a son of the gods. In, in the NIV it says, an angel of light. This man was... A lot of theologians believe, meaning a lot of people smarter than me, believe that this was Jesus, a Christophany, showing up to not only deliver and preserve the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but then it also seems to strengthen them. Because when they walk out of the fire, when King Nebuchadnezzar calls them out, they don't just go like, whoa, get out of there, that was hot. No, 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 no. They walk out. They're confident. They know that everything is under control. They just met with Jesus. God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. And we can see, we can see multiple uh, stories uh, of how God continues to show up uh, and how Jesus shows up in some physical form. There's even a story in uh, 2 Kings where uh, he comes and takes out an entire Assyrian army. That's amazing. This is all for the good of his people. 
Each of these stories that we see here show a personal contact of Jesus coming to man. He desired relationship. He desired that personal touch. He desired to be with his people. But in these situations, he comes to us. But here's the difference of Christmas. This is what makes the incarnation of Jesus in, in, the, in the New Testament so special. And we read about it in Matthew 1. Matthew 1.19, we find Joseph about to quietly divorce Mary. Mary was pregnant with, the, with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, seeing that this woman that he was betrothed to was pregnant, he, I think that this man is one of the most noble men because he, he, he didn't want to publicly shame her, so he was going to quietly divorce her. It seems like a no-win situation for Joseph or for Mary, but before this happens, before this happens, we read about how Gabriel came to Joseph in a dream. Matthew 1, 20-23 reads, But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to make Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And here is one of the most important parts of the scripture. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us with us. No longer was Jesus coming to us for relationship. No longer was Jesus there to be, uh, no longer was Jesus just coming uh, for a brief moment to meet with his people. No, 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 no. Jesus' birth marked the beginning of the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus' birth meant the days of sin and death, they were numbered, and freedom was coming. That was what the difference of Christmas is. That is why this is so special. It's not, no longer is Jesus coming as one moment of strength. But he's coming in order to provide a permanent answer for that break in relationship. John 1, 14 and 16. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. From Jesus, we receive freedom. From Jesus, we receive grace. He's the one and only answer. And now we come to this point. Jesus, after he's born... Even in just being born has fulfilled so many prophecies from the Old Testament. Those layers of promise, those layers of facts that would solidify that he is who he says he is. He grows up. He starts ministering for three years. He dies on the cross for our sins. He pours out his blood for our salvation. He dies, rises again, ascends to heaven. All of this 
fulfillment of prophecy, solidifying the fact that Jesus was who he says he was and still is who he says he is. Jesus has created an inescapable decision for relationship. Jesus has sought us out. He sought us out all throughout history. He continued to desire that relationship because the sin, that, that, that break in relationship, that void was so large because of the sin that we caused, but no longer. He's not seeking anymore. He's already here. God is with us. Emmanuel. He's no longer distant. He is here. So that leaves us with this. If Jesus has created this inescapable decision for relationship, inescapable meaning there's no getting around it. Either you accept Christ or you don't. Those are the two options we have as people now. If Jesus has created this inescapable decision for relationship, how will you respond? It's not a matter of if, but when. It's not a matter of later. It's a matter of now. We don't have an option to abstain from this choice. Either we choose Christ or we don't. So let me ask a more specific question for you then. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? If you have Christ before you and this choice for his love and relationship with, his, with him is available, why say no? What are you seeking? If, if, if there's opportunity to fulfill your life, your life journey, to fulfill this need inside of you is right there available to you, why say no? Don't let time slip away from you. I've learned a lot in this past week. Life is short. I've learned a lot in this last week. I can't take my relationship with my mom for granted. She's not always going to be there. By God's grace, I get to keep her for just for, for years to come yet. I'm hoping for many, many years. But it's not forever. And it's not just her life, it's mine. I'm not going to be for here forever. I don't have the opportunity to make these decisions to continuously follow after Christ every day. I, I, I'm not, my days are numbered as well. My mortality is in view. What are you seeking? I hope it's Christ. And I hope that you will let your search be fulfilled today in Christ. I want everybody to bow their heads for a moment. We have an opportunity to respond here. And we're not just going to leave this alone. This isn't just for people who, who have never accepted Christ. This is for both those who know Jesus now and will know Jesus but first, I want to talk to those people who have been searching in life, not knowing what they're looking for. If you are here this morning, and you've been searching for purpose, 
You've been searching for that meaning in your life. You've been searching for why you exist. This morning, if you've been searching for, for, for something to go after, for something to continuously dig into, if you've been searching for that relationship that will fulfill you, if you've been looking for that this morning and have not found it, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the answer for you. But you have a decision. I can't make that for you. You can. You're the only one. So this morning, I'm going to pray. And if you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, if you have not had Christ come into your life yet, engage in that relationship, you have an opportunity right now. And as I pray, I want you to, to tell Jesus that, that you want him, that you need him in your life, that you need his saving grace that you need his direction and lordship, that you need that relationship. So as I pray, if you have not accepted Christ, please, please do that now. Jesus, right now, I pray for everyone in this room that has not accepted Christ yet, Lord. I pray that as, that as this moment goes, Holy Spirit, you move in power. Holy Spirit, I pray that you strengthen the lives that are just seeking for purpose, seeking for some sort of meaning. Breathe new life into those people right now, Jesus. Breathe new life. Restore their spirit. Make it whole. Jesus, you are all that we need. You are what we are seeking after. Provide fulfillment now, Jesus. We ask all this in your name. In your name, Jesus. Now we're going to keep our eyes closed for a moment because there's one more thing I want to do. Some of us, kind of like me, how I've been with my mom. Jesus has been there in your life. You accepted him. You've ha you have his grace. You have his mercy in that relationship with him right now. You have that. But, but he's been there all of your life, and maybe you're, you're starting to feel stagnant. You're starting to feel stale. Maybe your search is not as in-depth anymore. Maybe that time with him in the morning or that time with him on a daily basis is now turned to every other day, turned to every other week, turned into never. I'm going to be honest with you and say that I'm convicted of this. I need Christ every single day. In the days that I, that I don't have a relationship with him, that I don't personally commune with him, I'm empty. Right now, I'm going to pray for you. But we're going to go into a song after this, and this is a time to make an actionable step of faith. We're going to have the altars open. We have, a, we have an opportunity for, for worship right now, but I, I, I hope that you aren't just going to be singing just because you can sing. I hope that you do it because you're making a new statement, a new commitment. God, I need to go after you today. I need to renew my daily search for you. I, I, I have you now, Jesus. I know I have this relationship with you, but I want to know more of you. I want to know your character more and more every single day. If you need that today, we're going to go into this song. I want you to make that commitment during that song. I want you to, to pray and ask God, 
personally renew my passion, fill my cup. If you need to just repeat those words over and over again, you do that. But don't leave here today stagnant. Don't leave here today stale. Leave fulfilled. Leave rejuvenated. Leave no longer thirsty. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for how you continue to pour it out in our lives, how you continue to wash over us with your, with your grace, your mercy. And I pray right now for all of us in this room that need to be rejuvenated by you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would do that. Father, I pray that there would be a new life in all of us this morning, that we would no longer just remain stagnant, that we would no longer just remain off to the side and, and continue to push you away. Holy Spirit, invade our lives now. We welcome you. And this is your time, Holy Spirit. It's not about us. It's not about us, Jesus. It's about you. And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that every person that is making that commitment today, that you would breathe new life, new life, Holy Spirit. Baptize them right now, God. Fill us to overflowing. We are your people. We are your family. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.